Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Podcast. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Okay, I want to dig in. Um, but first, let me hit this. We are in a season of consecration. Some of y'all don't know what that word is, but it's all about setting ourselves apart, sanctifying ourselves to be used by the Lord, to, 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 to go after the Lord, to seek after the Lord in fasting and in prayer. So this whole month of September is a month of consecration for Eastside. So we started on the first. If you didn't get that information, it's all good. Jump in when you can. It's more about the, so fasting, no, let me tell you this. So ways to engage in this, um, first of which is um, there's a daily Zoom call. That information is on our social media sites on Instagram and uh, Facebook. It'll be on the website this week. You can figure out or find that call. But, or go to the Facebook group or text somebody. We can get you the information. But I don't have it here to post up there today. But there's an um, everyday 6 a.m. Zoom call. And I want to shout out Rayshawn Brown. Where is she at? Sitting over there. A year ago when we did our um, month of fasting and prayer, she started this 6 a.m. Zoom call, and it's still going to this day. Yeah, so thank you, Rayshawn, and the crew that, that, uh, that gathers there, that community that gathers there. Also, the midweek huddles. So we'll be having some corporate prayer gatherings on Wednesdays here at the church. You can come as early as 5, I don't forgot the times, 545. 520, there'll be food here. If food is an issue and you need food coming from work or whatnot, you and your kids can eat. Um, and then there's youth group happening. There'll be child care for the kids. And we normally are doing Bible study in this space, but we'll be mixing that up with some prayer worship during the month of September um, during this consecration. The fast, if you're fasting from food, I'm asking you to fast from 12 midnight to 3 p.m. 12 midnight to 3 p.m. Now, you got to know your body. You got to know your health. You got to know what you can do. We praying that the Lord would be our strength. And I don't need you falling out weak because you need some sugar in your blood. Go on and bite a Twix or something, okay? Um, but 12 to 3 if you're able, at the level that you're able. Because it's not about the, the, the legalism of the time. It's about the sacrifice. It's about taking something that feels essential to you and being willing to offer that thing up to dig deeper with the Lord. Amen? So whatever you choose, if it's not food, if it's something else, the way I like to just say it is make it hurt. Okay? Don't punk out. Make it hurt. Make sure it's something that you really like, something that you really don't want to be without. And choose that thing and fast from it for a block of time that you'll feel it. And replace that time, that attention, that, that priority that you put that thing in your life with time with the Lord. Right? With other people, with by yourself. All right? So we're fasting all this month um, and praying together. You can find the details on Instagram, on Facebook, and soon on the website. Amen. Let's open up to Matthew, the sixth chapter going to read from verse 9. I'll be reading from the NIV. Let's read this together. Very familiar passage of scripture. Um, let's read it together. It says, this then is how... Yes. On earth as it is in heaven. Yes. Give us today. Uh-huh. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. 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 Sorry, I'll be trying not to block the screens from y'all. So this is a passage of scripture. Now, this series that we're doing over the next four weeks is not necessarily a preaching series. It's a little bit more a teaching series. And so I'm not going through this passage to go through and exegete it all and give you all of the history and all of that. I'm using it as a launch pad as we talk about prayer, as we're in this consecration. But when the disciples asked Je when, when Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is what he gave them. 
and it's not so much a, 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 a prescription, a, a say this every time, but more a template that he gave them on how to pray. But I want to ask this question. On a scale of one to ten, how alive would you say your relationship with God is? Just think about it. You ain't got to answer because we, we know somebody going to say two. But that's okay because it's not about judgment. We being real here, authentic, right? That's what we do. Okay. And I'm not talking about a theological because then you'll say, oh, well, it's a 10 because it's always a 10 because the spirit lives in me. And if the spirit's alive in me, then no, no, no I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a thriving relationship. Is that relationship with you and the Lord, is it thriving? Again, no judgment, just asking a question. Is it flourishing? Are you enjoying it? Or is the spirit inside of you kind of like everything else inside of you, like our internal organs, they there, we know they there, but we don't really think about them much, right? They just kind of do their thing. Not much engagement with them. Can you even imagine what that type of relationship could look like with God? Do you long for it? A thriving, robust, holistic relationship with God? Did you used to desire it, but maybe have given up since it never came to fruition? I want you to picture this with me. Okay, everybody just picture this with me. You wake up tomorrow morning. And you have a meeting with God. He wants to hear from you the most important matters in your heart. And then he wants to give you the nourishment and the encouragement and the instruction for the day. And then y'all also check in on the longer term projects that y'all are working on together. And he encourages you that, I know it's been a minute, but those projects are going to come to completion. The promise will come to pass. And then you two get to celebrate because this morning you got to scratch a name off your prayer list because that prayer was answered. And you were a little discouraged that the list seemed to grow more than shrink, more prayers being added than being answered. But, but that testimony you got last night uh, was encouraging to you because you got to scratch that name off and it just built your faith up a little bit. And after that 27 minutes y'all spent together, you got in the shower, brushed your teeth, and got dressed but not like you used to. I mean, yeah, you've been a Christian for a long time now, but these morning meetings with God are fairly new, and they've revitalized your, your life in that relationship with the Lord. So now as you get dressed, it ain't just like I'm about to go into this day and just do whatever the day brings. Nah, you're thinking about the ways that you're going to accomplish today's mission. In your meeting today, God told you to be really watchful for the ways that the enemy will try to tempt you and distract you. He even uh, 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 led you to a verse in James 1 for you to meditate on about that very thing. He made you aware of two people in your life that he's actually pursuing. And he's impressed it on your heart to send them a text today because he trusts you to journey with them, to disciple them. God also told you that there are people who don't, that you don't know who will need to feel seen today. So he cautioned you to not be in such a rush, but to be timely so that you can have time to be patient and be friendly and be self-aware as you go about your day to day, especially in traffic. Because how are you going to be laying on your horn like that and driving up on people so they can see your level of disgust <laughs> while you got all them Jesus bumper stickers on your car? Now imagine going through that day, going through that list, talking to the Lord all day, and then imagine getting home and writing in your prayer journal about what you experienced God do today. What the response to those text messages you sent out were. Who you were able to help on your way back to the office after lunch because you were actually looking for opportunities to meet needs. Yes, there were some disappointments and some frustrations in the day, but being in constant communication with God throughout the day and knowing that you accomplished things of kingdom significance, even the daily things like taking the kids to school and cooking dinner, somehow the mishaps just don't affect you the way they used to. Imagine going to bed excited because tomorrow you have another meeting with God. 
the wonder you would feel. Man, I wonder what tomorrow's mission is going to be. The opportunity to, to bear all, pouring our whole selves out on the Lord with full confidence that he will fill you back up. Can you see it? Why does it feel so far-fetched? No day without your spouse is the same. No day without your sibling is the same. No, no, no day with your kids is ever the same. If they're like mine, it's never the same day twice. The mess that they're going to make, how many times they're going to make me laugh, what new word my youngest Davian is going to say, how many questions Mike Jr. is going to ask me. The ways I'm going to try to get into Michaela's head and her mind because she thinks she's smart, but she is pretty smart. Intentional, consistent, daily interaction with any person brings with it a dynamic reality, not static. Some unpredictable variables, a progression in that relationship. Well, if the Holy Spirit is a person, and he is, then why are we not experiencing that type of relationship? Why does it feel stuck and stale? I'm going to venture to guess that it's because the communication is either way too seldom or non-existent. It's a reality that most people who claim to follow Jesus do not have a consistent prayer life. And I guess that many who do pray do so out of ritual, duty, obligation, with no expectation that that prayer really will accomplish anything in their present reality. They feel like they're talking to a brick wall. So they're really not motivated to do it, but they believe that that act alone will get them some brownie points with God. It might increase the, the, the balance on their account where they're trying to save up enough good works to get to heaven. So why is it that we do not lead a prayer lifestyle? If we're honest, most of us don't believe that prayer works. My boy Q says we live as functional Christian deists. That is, we believe that God is real and that Jesus is God in the flesh. We believe in the Holy Trinity and firm all the necessary creeds. But when it comes to God acting on our behalf or in the world via miracles or answered prayers, we deny that God will actually answer. And is, is there a witness anywhere in the room? Okay. Don't leave me here by myself. It's not that we... We, we don't believe God can answer our prayers. That's kind of what makes it worse. We, we know he can. We just don't believe he will. And no matter what it might be, requesting wisdom, help fixing marriage, seeking healing, we are not convinced that God will grant our request. In church, I'm going to be honest, it's not just a y'all thing, it's a we. I struggle with this too. I'm a realist, and I prefer things to be kind of black or white. I like to know what to expect. So when I encounter what seems to be like a formula or a promise in the Bible as it relates to prayer, and then I try to apply it and I come up empty-handed, I think I try to protect myself by just not expecting so much. Am I alone? No? I got some? Okay. So though I struggle with this too, for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer and talking about why we should pray. Even today, I want to, I want to attempt to build your faith, and I, want to, I hope that we would all, uh, by the end of this sermon, be, be ready to at least um, commit to some level of, of prayer. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, of course. So first, let's get on the same page. What is prayer? What am I talking about when I'm talking about prayer? All I'm talking about is personal communication with God. Personal communication with God. There's many types of prayer, many ways you can pray. There are prayers of lament, where strife and grief and sadness are your, are, are your feelings, and, and you're just going to God with those things. Prayers of adoration where you're communicating just your love and affection for God. 
prayers of thanksgiving, responding to the great things that God has done and, and giving him thanks for those things. Prayers of repentance when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit or maybe confronted by a brother or sister in the faith and we commit to changing our behavior because we've changed our mind about some things. I want to make that clear. Repenting is not saying sorry. That confused me so much when I was growing up in church. It was just like, repent, repent. Like, okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't changing nothing. <laughs> but I'm sorry. So people today think they done came up with this new revelatory idea when they say the best apology is change behavior. Well, all you're doing is regurgitating the scriptures. Because Jesus didn't walk around for three and a half years telling people to apologize. He said, repent. Turn. Change your course of direction and believe the good news. Why, though? For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then there are prayers of requests or petitions, asking of things from the Lord. And that's, that's mainly what I'm talking about here today. But, but all prayer um, is a part of this, this conversation. See, prayer is one of the, if not the most important discipline in a Christian's life. They're all important. But God instituted prayer so that we may seek after him. So that we may have a way to reach out to him. God wants us to pray because through the act of prayer, we express our dependence and trust in him. Now, Davia's due date is today. So any day now, we're going to have, we're going to be welcoming a baby into this world. And when that baby gets here, oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll send y'all some pictures. When that baby gets here, that baby will be fully dependent upon outside sources to provide everything it needs. I'm saying it because this is the last one. I told y'all that last one. So we wait to find out what the gender is when, when yeah, at delivery. Food, diaper changes, touch, transportation. That little human will be totally dependent upon us. And we, as grown as we think we are, should be totally dependent upon God for all things. We, we demonstrate that dependency and trust in God through prayer. Not praying is a little bit arrogant. Right? Those of us who got kids or were kids or was that kid, I got it. Davian, he too, you know, the, the buckle got the top one and the bottom one, and he always want to do them both, knowing he can really barely only do the top one. I got it. I got it. No, boy, move. Okay? You don't. Now, earlier, I used the language of mission, right? God giving us a mission for the day. Do we understand that if we are born again, that we are on mission here in America? as ambassadors of the kingdom of God? Do we understand that? Do you understand the reason we even needed to be born again is because you can only, to get citizenship in the kingdom of God, you got to be born into the kingdom. Wow. You're not jumping no border, getting into the kingdom of God. You got to be born again. So if that's true, then how do we go days and weeks and months without getting instruction about the next assignment? I think that's why we struggle in our spiritual lives because we're, 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 we're trying to survive on, 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 on food that has lost its nutrients. At one point, that thing would have given you all the nourishment for the day. But that apple is way past rotten. Yet you still going to nibble every once and again, expecting to be nourished. We're eating stale bread. We're drinking old flat water. When God wants to give us new nourishment daily, 
Jesus taught this when he, when he taught his disciples to pray. Ask for daily bread. And for them, that represented everything that they needed to thrive and survive and be, and, and, and that they would need in, in that day when they understood bread. That wasn't just a, a loaf that I'm going to put with uh, some soup or I'm going to put with a salad. No, no, no. That bread represented all that you would need. When he taught them how to pray, he taught them to ask God, the Father, to give them daily bread. There's an implication there that you're asking it daily. Every player on the basketball team knows the objective of the game is to win. They know the plays because if somebody calls it, they got to run it. So they have to know the plays. But every time out, the coach is given instruction on the next play and the next play. Even when the game is in progress, the, co- the coach is on the sideline, the, 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 the leader on the court is calling out plays to the players so that we all together know what we're going to do to be successful in winning this game. In football, they'll call an audible. We said we're doing that play. Up, oh, we saw something. We reversed in doing that play because it's so in the moment, right? It's so spontaneous. And some of our relationships with God are stale because it's just routine, Right, we we liked sometimes the older um, understanding and, and religious system because it would make clear this is what you do, this is what you don't do, this is what you get to do, this is what you don't get to do. But when you live in by the Spirit, what God might have said no to today, He might say yes to tomorrow for His purposes that He's trying to accomplish. It requires a daily check-in to get instruction for that day that we might be victorious in battle. Consistent prayer is not an option for the Christian. It is as essential to us as food, air, and water. It is our only way to communicate with God. And prayer is God's initiated essential ingredient for seeking him and pursuing him. I want to build your faith today and I want to encourage you to talk to God. I want to encourage you to communicate with God. God has so much that he wants to download into you. And the enemy would love to keep you distracted. To discourage you so much from praying that you don't have that connection and you just kind of live life aimlessly or pursuing your own kingdom, pursuing your own empire, trying to build your own life. Some of us are so busy. It's not that like the time runs out that we don't get to prayer on the list. For a lot of us, prayer is not even on the list. So, I believe that God wants a real thriving, dynamic relationship with you. And if you want a relationship with God, you got to communicate with God. You got to communicate with God. There are at least four things that will not happen, at least five things, actually, that will not happen without a consistent prayer life. One, without communicating with God, we cannot show that we actually do trust God. Without asking the Lord for his provision, for his wisdom, for his instruction, for his direction, we are showing that the trust is, is here or, or maybe some other source, but it's not him. Without communicating with God, we cannot have deeper fellowship with God. Without communicating with God, we cannot have hope to grow and develop our spiritual gifts. There are some gifts that God put in you that he wants to develop to serve his kingdom and to serve this city. But you got to go get the download from the source. Funny how I can have an old iPad, but it's just as new as the new iPad if I allow for the upgrade, right? 
we, without communicating with God, we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our lives on this earth. Petitioning prayers are an opportunity to partner with God in his plan to redeem and restore this very earth. Why would any of us want to forfeit that? I need y'all to hear me clear. The kingdom of God is home. We are citizens of that kingdom if our faith is in Jesus the Christ. And we're ambassadors here. Prayer is the way that the thing he asked us to pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done, that's the way that it actually happens. I'm going to show you why in a second. Last one, without communicating with God, God can't even accomplish his own will in the earth. Uh Uh-oh. Now, I know we don't like when people start talking about what God can't do. But what I want you to do is think about what you know about the Bible. What did God do on this earth after giving dominion to man, human, right, mankind? What did he do that he did not do through human beings? We expect God to move. We're waiting on him. He waiting on you. He waiting on me. We say the prayer changes things. The prayer might change the people. The people is going to change the things because God works through the people. That's why he said if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and do what? Pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then... But what will he do? I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Why not just do it? If you could do it, why not just do it? I want my people to humble themselves and pray for it. Well, my God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. Yes, he is. And yes, he can. But God is as sovereign as his word. Try this on for size and bear with me, okay? Stay with me. God is limited by his word. Because God will never violate his word. God's word is not just law for us. It becomes law for him, too, because he'll never contradict it. Once he says it, he's bound to it. He can't go against his word. I know we don't like that kind of language, but it's not a bad thing. It just means that that God is fully committed to everything that he speaks. His word will never return to him void. He will never make a promise that he can't or won't keep. If he says it, it will come to pass. And and Psalms 138 tells us that his word is the one thing that he esteems above even his own name. So there's a lot that God has wanted to do in the earth. But he didn't do it, I think, for this reason. Genesis 126 in the ESV says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. um, No, the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and all the earth and other every, sorry, and over every creepy thing that creeps the earth. Excuse me. So I've been looking in the scriptures For when God has come into the earth as spirit to accomplish his will or his desires in the earth. And I count a number of times where God came down to accomplish things in this earth, but it seems that he has always done his work through humans. Not supernatural beings. I'm talking about you and me, humans. 
I wonder if it's because when he told the Godhead, let us make man, humans, mankind in our image, that included God, right? But then he said, let them have dominion and subdue. So let's take a quick journey real quick and see a few of the times where God came down to intervene after he gave dominion to humans to get done what he wanted to get done. Genesis, around the 37th chapter, we read the story of Joseph. And when God needed to preserve the lineage of Israel, he used Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Now, God could have just done it, right? He could have just preserved the family and the name and the lineage. But Genesis 45, 7 says, but God sent me ahead of you. This is Joseph talking to his brothers after he's revealed himself that he is the brother that they sold into slavery, probably thinking that he would die. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made the father to Pharaoh. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. God wanted this thing to happen in the earth, but to honor his own word, he doesn't just come and make it happen. He works through those whom he has given dominion in the earth. Exodus 3, God had an angel appear as a burning bush. Moses saw the bush and was curious, went toward the bush, trying to figure out why it wasn't being consumed. And verse 4 says this, the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses went over to look at the bush, God called him to, sorry, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down, this is God, have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land. Now this looks like it defeats my whole argument, right? He just said he came down to rescue them, right? So God clearly says that he's seen the misery he heard the cries, and he is concerned about their suffering. He's an almighty, powerful God, right? He can do whatever he wants, right? As long as it doesn't go against his word. Even though man sinned after God gave him dominion, our disobedience didn't cause God to compromise his integrity. Our unfaithfulness isn't even a prerequisite for God's faithfulness. We don't serve a petty God who's looking to play tit-for-tat games. Our God is a God who is committed to us because he promised to be. And he is always going to be faithful to his word. So verse 8 says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. This is still God talking. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. He's seen all this. He heard all this, right? Catch it. Talking to Moses. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. All powerful sees it all happening, hears the cries, concern, and I need you. Jeremiah, I I'm just trying to prove my case. I'm about to get up out of here. Jeremiah 1, 
15, God says, I am about to summon all the people of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. The kings will come and step up their set up their thrones and the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I, God says, will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness for forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and worshiping what their hands have made. Then what did he say? Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified of them or I will terrify you before them. Yes, the Lord's will will be accomplished and it will be accomplished through us, through human beings. You and I, willing submitted vessels that will show, slow ourselves down and incline our ears to hear from him. I don't know if it's hanging around Quincy, but I, I've been on equations lately. <laughs> but the supernatural happens. My equation is when divine is added with dirt. Divine plus dirt equals whatever. It's not God alone, and it definitely ain't us alone. But God chose dirt from the ground. That's what human means. God chose dirt from the ground and decided to partner with human beings, dirt, to accomplish his will. I need us, Eastside, to grasp this. Because we're not praying for the Lord to come and do, 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 do. For his wisdom, for his direction, for his instruction, for his guidance, for his protection, for his strength. For all, we'll pray to God for a whole lot of things. But it will never just be praying and waiting on God to act. Because he's waiting on us to just be obedient and be faithful. We are the access portal for God to interfere in the earth. To bring his kingdom down to the earth. Even when God put together his plan to solve the most unsolvable problem. Why didn't God just fix it from on high? God knew that the divide between him and humans needed to be rectified. So he sent Christ into a human Mary to be born. So that he could come and solve the most unsolvable problem for us. Jesus the Christ. Christ in Jesus' body. Our prayers give God access to come into the realm that he gave us charge and dominion over and to establish his kingdom. This kingdom is our home. We are ambassadors here. God wants us to bring his kingdom here, but he needs us to be faithful and consistent to pray for those things. Our prayers act, act as a lever to release the kingdom into the earth. I think that's why he said, look, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. What are they? What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. But what you loose on earth, some of the stuff ain't being loosed because we're binding it up. We won't pray. Your prayer simply might be the lever that, that releases the, the portal for the, for the kingdom of God to flow in your family's life, in your circle's life, in your neighborhood, in this community. Who else could pray the prayer? Non-believers, do they have access to the kingdom? Is God supposed to pray to himself? Where am I at? Let's wrap this up. In the Old Testament, the people of God 
They weren't allowed to go into God's presence. They were unholy, unworthy, unclean, sinful. Newsflash, that's our predicament too. The truth is we have no right to approach God in the first place. We stand condemned. Our only right is to be cut off from God. Our only inheritance that we deserve is destruction, not blessing. But here is the good news. Jesus has closed that infinite gap between our disqualification from being in the Father's presence to our being his children. And that was a wide gap, y'all. Because of Jesus, we can pray to God. As recipients of Jesus' work on the cross, we have gained boldness and access to the very presence of God. Jesus himself is our mediator. Jesus himself admonishes us, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Lastly, let me just hit this. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It's not just saying, in Jesus' name, I pray. But it does mean that we get to pray as if we are Jesus the Christ. We get to come to God in Jesus' authority. It always cracks me up when I'm in my room and I send one of the kids to go give instruction to another kid. And for some reason, they always like to go in their own authority. David, go do this. And I'm just sitting there because I know David don't like being told what to do, especially by his brother who's only two years older. So I listen, and of course, there's bickering that happens, and Mike will come back all frustrated. David's not listening. Did you tell him daddy said? Go tell him daddy said. Do, 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 do. Right? When David goes, or Michael goes, in my authority, David does what daddy said do. We get to pray in the authority of Jesus. Back in the, in the Bible days, there was this signet ring. And you can take the signet ring, and it was the king's ring, but if you had it, you could do business on behalf of the king. It don't matter if you were the lowest man in the, in the kingdom, that ring gave the power and authority of the king. But what's our signet ring? How does God know that when we pray, we're coming in the authority of Jesus? What gives us the authority to approach the Father with full confidence? Well, I'm going to answer the question with a question. What shall wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When we pray, the Father honors it as a prayer from Jesus because we are coming literally with the DNA of Jesus, his blood. I'm, I'm cutting a lot. It's been a minute, so obviously I don't know how to pre- prepare, you know, anymore. <laughs> when you pray, pray with expectancy. When you pray, ask for forgiveness, but re- repent from your sinful ways. When you pray, pray according to the will of God. Pray scripture. You know that to be the will of God. When you pray, make sure it's communication. Communication flows two ways. So talk for sure, and then listen. Listen for God to speak to you. It might be a nudge. It might be a go to this uh, passage of scripture. It might be a open the Bible, and you just find what you need in that moment. When you pray, keep praying. Pray often. Men ought to always pray. Pray without ceasing. 
that means there's different molds and ways of prayer, right? You can't pray in your prayer closet probably like you could driving down the street. But God is always has his ear inclined to hear from you, and he wants to. Be filled with the Spirit. Pray often. When you pray, be specific. You ain't got to go all bashful and all f- fake humble. Tell them what you want. Tell them what you're asking for. When you pray, when you can, pray together. Eastside, we're going to pray a lot more as a community because we need the Lord and we won't be an arrogant church who acts like we can do what he's called us to do without him. And that's all of us. I appreciate the prayer team. But four, five, six, ten people and carrying the weight of this church in prayer. We have to be a praying people, and we will. Let us transition into communion. Again, we are able to pray because Jesus Christ did everything necessary to give us access to the Father. And so we take this meal. If you need communion elements, go ahead and raise your hand and they'll bring some up. And actually, Brother Alvin, will somebody run me one up here or throw me one up here? Oh, thank you so much. We got a few hands up this way, a couple back there, and a couple over in this side room over here. Did you need one, bro? You good? You need one? Alvin, right behind you, too. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. We're almost there, y'all. It's okay. We can wait on our family to be served. This is all right. Yep. Got a couple in this row. One back here. Yes. Amen. Amen. I think Keela needs one up in the sound booth or in the media media booth. Thank you guys for serving the family. Everybody have their elements? This meal is so significant to us as a family because it testifies of the truth of the gospel that we believe and hold so dear. This bread that we take represents the the body of Jesus Christ. And when we take it, we are on one hand, um, saying that we are united in the family of God through Jesus Christ. But even beyond that, we're saying that our full trust and dependency is on Jesus. And when we take this bread into our body, we're saying we need Jesus in us. We won't make it without him. So family, let's take this together and eat. And I guess it's good in a way that they crucified him on the cross so that his, and pierced his side so that the blood would spill out. I guess they could have suffocated him or used some other means. But it's that blood, it's that blood. Don't, don't do that, Dot. (laughs) (laughs) The blood of Jesus that spilled for us, that washed away all of our sins. So let us take this cup, remembering that we need Jesus in every way and that it is by his blood that we have been made right with Christ. Made right with God through Christ, excuse me. Amen.
Family, let's respond. Um, here at Eastside, we believe that worship is the proper response to revelation from the Lord. And so at this time, I want to call the worship team forward. I'm going to call the prayer team forward, and we're going to respond in worship. Now, one of those ways is going to be through singing songs of worship. Please come and do that. But I also want to pray um, for folks on today. There are some who might be feeling drawn to Jesus. You hear, maybe you don't realize why you're here. God knew you'd be here. He, he wanted you here to hear everything you heard today. But if you have questions about this Jesus, who this Jesus is, what this gospel is about, please come up and talk to one of us. There might be someone here who used to have a strong relationship with Jesus, but it's kind of dwindled. There's been some distance, some separation, and you just want that back. You want to start to pursue Jesus again, maybe. But the only reason you want to pursue him is because he's already been pursuing you. So if you are a little far away from, from God, please don't feel like he's mad at you. He's been waiting for you, like the prodigal son, to come back home. So please come and talk to one of us. And then some of you are in that kind of monotonous relationship with God. I pray before I eat. I remember sometimes here and there, but we don't have a daily relationship. And I would love to, to experience that. I would love to commune with him and fellowship with him and depend on him and trust in him and include him in my, my decisions and my thoughts and my, my work and my life at a deeper level. I'm going to invite you up to pray as well after um, I finish this here. And then there are some who want to engage in the consecration and you might feel like you need strength to, to fast and to pray and to engage and participate. Um, I want to pray that the Lord would give you that strength and that you would endure during this time of prayer and fasting. So let me pray and then let us respond. And if you want prayer, our prayer team is here and I'll be here and um, Alex, Q, Bob, if any of y'all are able, willing T as well, um, to come up and pray, that, that'd be awesome. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the kingdom of God being at hand and the invitation for us, the invitation for us to partner with you in bringing your kingdom here. God, Eastside is your church. We need you. We can't do what we're called to do without you. So, Lord, would you please, would you please be with us? Would you please instruct us, guide us? Would you please show us the way? Would you please give us wisdom and revelation? Would you please give freedom to this room, to these people? Would you please deliver us from bondage, from habits, from addictions? God, would you bring healing in our lives? Would you make us effective witnesses for you? And may this church be an embassy of your kingdom where your rule, your reign, your principles, your value system, your currency, your kingdom lives here. We love you, God. We pray it all in the authority of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Love you all, Eastside. Let's respond.